Anyway, open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 is where we're going to be at. Now, if you remember, we're doing something a little bit different. Uh, we're not going through a book of the Bible as we normally do. We're going to take about a month off from that. We just uh, finished up the book of Hebrews. We were there for about seven months. And so instead, we are doing a short study, about a month long, on the Holy Spirit. Okay, so last week, we looked at uh, the Holy Spirit and conversion, Holy Spirit and salvation, uh, regeneration, whatever word you want to use for that, uh, but how the Holy Spirit brings us to life, okay? And uh, we looked at uh, the Spirit as the guarantee of uh, the down payment of, of what God has in store for us as Christians. And today we are going to look at the Holy Spirit and sanctification, okay? The Holy Spirit and sanctification, I'll get into what that exactly is here in just a minute. But what we're going to do is we're going to begin by reading Galatians 5. And again, these type of messages are prone to lots of scripture. So we're going to be here in Romans 8. We're going to be in Colossians 3. Uh, we're going to be all over. So keep your Bibles open. Keep your, your, your fingers licked or whatever you do to turn quickly. Uh, just use your left hand, not the hand you shake mine with afterward. And so, uh, but anyway, Galatians 5 is we're going to be at. Uh, get ready. Lots of scripture today. I'm going to read verse 16 through 24. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Father, we ask for the help of your Holy Spirit today. We pray that you would uh, meet us here, that we might experience uh, the revealing of your word to us, to our hearts, by your spirit, that we might experience the power of the Holy Spirit to break us loose from ingrained patterns of sin. We pray for the fruit of the Holy Spirit to be manifested in our lives. God, we invite you. We, we welcome you. We look for you. We seek you. Come and meet us here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so when we think about what is the Holy Spirit doing in sanctification in our lives, uh, first thing we need to do is we need to think big, okay? Think big. Uh, last week where we kind of left off was that the Spirit of God indwells every born-again believer, okay? So what's he going to do? I'm not completely sure. I know some things that he's going to do, but one thing I know is that God, God does big things. God does good things. God does awesome things, okay? And so we should think big. And so when we are thinking about our church, 
we should not think in terms of what can we do. You know, we got this talented person, we've got this much money, we have this many workers, you know. No, 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 no. With that, 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 that's thinking on, on man's term. We should think in what could God do? What could God do with Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church? What could God do with your life? What could God do with your son, with your daughter, with your grandchild, with your life? What could God do? God, I want you to do big things through the power of your Holy Spirit. He lives within us. But one thing that we know he is doing in our lives through the Holy Spirit is he is sanctifying us. Now, what does that mean, the Holy Spirit and sanctification? Well, sanctification is the process by which you are made more and more like Jesus, less and less like you, more and more like Jesus, okay? So here's kind of how it goes. When you're born again, you turn away from sin, you put your faith in Christ, you are joined, you're united to Jesus at that moment, at that moment, okay, Christ's righteous life flows into your account. You know, you, you get his life, okay? His, his life counts for you. At that moment, your sin is put on Jesus and his death pays for it, okay? Now, at that moment, you've got his righteous life. He's, his death is for you. You are therefore justified in Christ, all right? Your sin is no longer on you. You no longer pay the penalty of it. At the moment of salvation, you are made righteous. You're justified in the eyes of God, okay? That that is what it means to be saved. All right, now, sanctification is the work of God, the work of Jesus, the work of the Holy Spirit from that point on in your life by which the Spirit of God is conforming you. He's shaping you. He, He is pulling sin out of your life practically, okay? So so justification happens where? In the heavenlies, right? At the throne of God. Jesus Christ does it, all right? Where does sanctification happen? It happens at the grocery store, okay? It happens in the parking lot. It happens uh, at the ball field. It happens uh, on vacation. It happens at the dinner table, okay? Sanctification is the practical working out of, of the Spirit of God working in you to make you practically holy more and more like Jesus Christ. Now, the primary enemy of our sanctification is this thing called the flesh, okay? Verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, when the Bible refers to flesh in this context, it is not talking about your muscle and skin and bone, okay? What it's talking about is your unredeemed humanness, the old you, okay? The you before Jesus, the you before you came to know Christ, the you before you were saved, okay? The you that was against God, you're broken in your sin, you had patterns of selfishness and patterns of pride and patterns of arrogance and patterns of, 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 of the world and ignoring God, okay? That old you is what's referred to in the Bible as as your flesh or as your old self. Now, here's the interesting thing. That old self is is defeated, okay? Jesus Christ on the cross, whenever you're joined to Christ, the old self has has a fatal blow put to it by the work of Jesus. Listen to Romans 6, 6, okay? We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. All right, so the Bible tells us that that old self is, is, is crucified. It's brought to nothing, okay? It's dead. However, what we also know is, is that Galatians is telling us that we need to walk by the Spirit so we don't gratify the desires of the flesh. So in what way can it be both dead and still kicking at the same time, okay? 
Basically, how, how we look at that is that the flesh has been dealt a, a fatal blow. It's not going to win, okay? It's not going to come back to life. It, it's been dealt a fatal blow by Jesus, okay? We are headed toward righteousness and sinlessness in Christ's return. But for now, it's, it, it is still in the death throes, okay? Now, it's kind of like killing rattlesnakes. Who's killed a rattlesnake in here? Anybody killed a rattlesnake in here? Okay. All right. Now, the best way, my experience, is just my experience, but the best way to kill a rattlesnake is to make two snakes out of one. Okay. That's, that's the way that I, I prefer to kill a rattlesnake. Okay. Make two snakes out of one. So what you do is you cut off the head, right? Now, when you sever the head from the body, it's pretty much done, is it not? I mean, I've, I've never had one come back together, all right? Never had one come back together and chase me, all right? That's never happened, all right? When you sever the head from the body, it, it is pretty much over for that dude. The, the mice are safe in that neighborhood, okay? That, that dude is not coming back. However, my dad and my grandpa drilled this into my brothers and I, okay? They drill this into us that even after the head is cut off, you don't mess with the head, okay? The head can still bite you. Well, I mean, I can't tell you how many times my grandpa my dad told us that. Because you know what a little boy wants to do after you sever the head off a snake? He wants to take the head and do what? Chase his mother, right? Or his sisters. That's what he wants to do. He wants to get that. Man, that's, that's, that is pure joy, all right? And so, but you couldn't do that with a rattlesnake because, you know, dad and grandpa told you, you don't touch the head. We bury, in fact, they, well, here's what they did. We bury the head. They didn't want our dogs coming over messing with it. We would bury the head. All right. So the, the thing is dead, though, wasn't it? Wasn't, didn't, we, didn't we establish that, that once you cut it off, I mean, it's, it's not coming back, but it's still dangerous. Okay, your Christian life is kind of like that, okay? From, from the point of your salvation, okay, Jesus deals a fatal blow to the old self. Right? It's not going to win. Christ is, has won. He has victory. You're headed to, to righteousness with Christ. However, from the time of your salvation until your death or until Jesus returns, you don't mess with the flesh, right? It's still dangerous. It'll still bite you. You got to be careful of it. And, and, and that's pretty much what Paul is telling us here is walk by the Spirit and you'll not gratify, you'll not get bit by the desires of the flesh. If you need the evidence for that, Romans chapter 7 is a, uh, a great kind of uh, verse for that. This period of, of the, the victory is Christ, but yet we're still struggling with it. Romans chapter 7 verse 18 says, I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Anybody identify with that? Can you identify with, with that struggle of, of wanting uh, to follow Christ, but yet having these other desires that are very real in our life? The snake is still writhing, isn't it? Okay? And then that's what leads Paul to say in Romans 8, 20, or 7, 24, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The victory is coming for us. And this is part of that victory. 
in Galatians chapter 5 where Paul tells us to walk in the Spirit. Okay, so if we walk in the Spirit, we don't gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, notice the word walk. That's an important phrase. Again, the New Testament is describing for us our everyday life. That's where sanctification takes place, right? So when it says walk in the Spirit, what that means is, is that you're to go get groceries in the Spirit. How many of you got groceries in the Spirit this week, okay? Hopefully you didn't get groceries in the flesh. Hopefully you got groceries in the Spirit. How many of you mowed your lawn in the Spirit this week, okay? Hopefully you didn't mow your lawn in the flesh. You know what it looks like to mow your lawn in the flesh? It, it's like this. Ah, I hate mowing this dumb lawn and all this rain and now I gotta mow the lawn and my kids should be mowing this for me but they didn't come over. Little suckers, you know, I wish I'd have never gave birth to them. You know, that's what it means to mow your lawn in the flesh, okay? What does it mean to mow your lawn in the spirit? It looks very different than that, okay? So when the Bible says walk, what does that mean? That means you make dinner in the Spirit. You interact with your coworkers in the Spirit. You walk out of here and go to your car in the Spirit, okay? It is a constant, daily, hourly, minute, second-by-second second awareness of the Spirit of God in your life. Stop right there. Application time. Do you do that? Do you walk through your daily life constantly aware of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life? Constantly aware of the desires of the Spirit, of what the Spirit wants when you're mowing, what the Spirit wants when you're going to get groceries, what the Spirit wants when you're having a conversation with your family, what the Spirit wants when you gather together uh, for a, a, a conversation with a friend or a coworker. Are you aware? Are you, are you walking in the Spirit, living your life daily in the Spirit? Okay, let's, let's continue to unpack that. What does that mean? Well, what that means is, is that you are daily choosing, you're seeking, you're desiring the desires of the Spirit over the desires of the flesh. Notice verse 17, the next verse. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. There's that war again, right? There's that war again. And the war is simply about the desires of both the flesh and the spirit, okay? So inside of you is this old, unredeemed human, humanness, this, this old, unredeemed, uh, sinful man, and it continually desires the wrong things. It's like a toddler at Walmart, in the cart, you know? I want this, I want that. He wants everything that, what's on the list. That's the only thing he doesn't want, right? He wants, he wants all the things that he should not want that are not good for you to have, and he cries out for them continually. That's kind of what the flesh does, doesn't it? It continually cries out for the wrong things, okay? And the Bible says there's a conflict between the desires of the flesh and the desires of the Spirit inside of you. The desires of the Holy Spirit crying out for the things of God, okay? So the flesh has strong desires, but the Spirit also has strong desires. And, and whenever we are led by the Spirit, notice verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not in the law, okay? So what we want to do is we want to be led by the hand, by the Holy Spirit. Okay? So whenever we, whenever we listen to the desires of the flesh, what does that produce in us? If we listen to the desires of the flesh, flesh that will produce verse 19. The works of the flesh are evident, sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Okay? So if, if, we, if we listen to our selfish desires, it will lead us to, to actions that are dishonoring to God. What we want to do is we want to listen to the Spirit's desires. Okay, We want to be led by the Spirit. Notice verse 16, it says walk by the Spirit. Verse 18 says be led by the Spirit. Kind of the way I picture being led by the Spirit is the Spirit is leading us through life and the Spirit is continually pointing us to the better things of God. 
okay? Our flesh is continually crying out for all these things that we should not have, that are not good for us, but that the flesh craves. The Spirit is leading us, if we'll allow Him to, and He's pointing to constantly the things of the Spirit. I had an Uncle Bob. Uncle Bob had two daughters, and uh, my family had three sons. Uh, Uncle Bob was the picture of the outdoorsman, and therefore he often came and picked up one or all of my brothers and took us with him on his outdoor journeys. And Uncle Bob would continually, because he loved the outdoors so much, he was constantly pointing us to cool things about the outdoors, okay? Even though we sometimes didn't think they were cool, they were cool, okay? So uh, we'd be walking through a canyon, and my Uncle Bob would, look, 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 a mule deer up there on the ridge, you know? We walk a little further. Look, 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 badger poop, you know. My Uncle Bob could tell every kind of poop from the other kinds. I mean, it was amazing. Badger, porcupine, skunk, you know, deer. I mean, he knew them all. Tracks, he would tell us. Look, 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 guys, 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 look here, look, you know. Look here, a nest, you know. Here's where the deer bed down. Here's where, I mean, he was always, always, that was Uncle Bob. He was always pointing out, okay, when the Spirit leads you, when you're walking with the Spirit, the Spirit is continually pointing out to you the desires of the Spirit. Notice what it said, remember? For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit. What does the Spirit desire? What's he, what's he going to point to? He's going to point to the truth of Jesus The Spirit will continually point you to the truth. He will continue to point you to the best things, to what will really satisfy your life, to what will really bring you joy. He will continue to point you to the promises of God and to the work of Jesus, okay? The Spirit will constantly point you to spiritual things. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3 tells us, How this process works, it says, if then you've been raised up with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above. What what is that? Those are spiritual things. Those are the things of the Spirit, okay? That's what it means to be led by the Spirit, to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Now, practically, let's unpack how is this going to look? How is this going to work in my life? Okay, so I'm going through my life, and if I'm sensitive to the Spirit, I'm being led by the Spirit, I'm looking at the Spirit, how is, how is He going to root out of me the desires of the flesh and put in me the desires of the Spirit? How's that going to happen? Well, it's going to happen in lots of different ways. Let me give you some of them. Number one, it's going to happen by conviction. Okay, by conviction. Now, what do I mean by conviction? What I mean by conviction is whenever you begin to live by the desires of the flesh, you're going to, if you're a Christian, you're going to feel the displeasure of the Holy Spirit. Okay, do you know what I mean? I think if you're a Christian, I, I don't know that I have to explain this. I think you already know what I mean. You, that, 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 that feeling of, of, of displeasure that, that God is not pleased with what you just said. God is not pleased with what you just did. God is not pleased with your attitude. You feel the displeasure of the Spirit of God inside of you. I remember sitting in the, in the pew as, as a kid. You know, me and my brothers would be messing around. And I remember my dad not even saying anything. My dad just looking over at us, and it was like getting a sunburn. You know you know what I'm talking about? I mean, you just felt his displeasure. You know, you, you felt it intensely. Sometimes it even shook you up a little bit, okay? In the same way, except on the inside, the Spirit of God. You know what I'm talking about? You say something, you do something, and you feel an intense displeasure of the Spirit of God. That is called conviction. Listen to David describe it in Psalm 32 after he had sinned with Bathsheba. He says in verse 3, When I kept silent, 
He means about his sin. My bones wasted away. He said on the inside I was crumbling apart through my groaning all day long. Verse 4, day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as the heat of summer. Do you know what I'm talking about there? That God's hand all over you. My friends, if that has happened to you, if it does happen to you, praise God. That is the Spirit of God in your life. And let me warn you, do not ignore that. Some of my my favorite people in this church are those who won't ignore that. They can't can't stay under that long. I mean, we all slip. We all, the flesh comes up and we we, we buy into the desire of it. We all do that. But I tell you, the the saints that I love are those who, they may fall into the the flesh, but man, it's not long before they they are making that right because they can't live They can't live with God's displeasure. What is God doing through conviction? He's shaping our desires, isn't he? Right? So the flesh said, hey, this is good. Buy into that. And so I jumped into it. And the spirit said, no, 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 that is bad. Be convicted by it. Be troubled by it. God is shaping, he's shaping my desires through conviction. Let me give you some examples of that. Here's a cool one. Uh, one more. I'll, I'll give you one more. Okay. Now, this one doesn't say the Holy Spirit, but, but I'm convinced it is the Holy Spirit. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 24. And David is in the cave, and Saul is hunting him down, trying to kill him. And, and Saul goes into the cave to go to the bathroom. And all of David's men are like, kill him, kill him. Now's your chance. God's giving him into your hand. And David won't kill him, but he sneaks up, and, and, he, and he cuts off a piece of Saul's robe. Okay? Now remember, all the other guys in the cave are like, kill him, kill him, kill him. David just cuts off a piece of, God, uh, of Saul's robe. And, and here, here's what it says, verse 5. And after David's heart struck him, afterward David's heart struck him, because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now, now here's what I want to tell you. I believe that David, as a man of God, had developed a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Man, if you'd asked Joab, hey, was that wrong for him to cut off a piece of his robe? Joab had said, I'd have plunged the knife right through his neck. I mean, he would have. Abishai. Man, that dude deserves to die. And let me do it. I mean, on several occasions, Abishai said, I'll do it for you. Okay, but David, David feels bad about even cutting off a corner of his robe. And here's what I'm telling you. The more you are sensitive to the Spirit of God, the more, the more you're going to feel his displeasure in your life, in small things. I remember shortly after I was saved, I was saved in May of 1990, and probably by, I think this happened somewhere around July, in about two months' time, God had rooted out of my life some really big sins, okay? Things that were just completely contrary to what it means to be a Christian. And I remember thinking after that, it's two months, man, I am pretty much got it all together, you know? I thought, man, I, this is out of my life. I don't do this anymore. 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 I mean, man, I, I really thought I was ready to be the Pope, you know? I was ready to be on top dog, you know? I'm, man, what's there left, you know? And, and here's what I began to realize, though. The more you listen to the Holy Spirit, right, what happens? The more he begins to show you these small ways that, that you're living in, in, in contrast to his word. And so God, to this day, is showing me areas of pride, areas of selfishness, areas of arrogance, areas of self-pity, areas of not loving my brother, areas of not being generous. It's the, it's the work of God in our life 
to create in us spiritual desires. Turn to Romans. Let's hang out in Romans for just a little bit. Romans chapter 8 is where I want you to be. Romans chapter 8. And we're going to begin reading in verse 5. Okay, verse 5. For those who, who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Okay, so as God convicts us of sin... Okay, as God convicts us of his righteous desires, what happens? Well, the spiritual man will begin to focus his mind. He will, he will, he will begin to intentionally grab onto the truth of God, the things of the Spirit of God, the desires of the Spirit of God, and he'll begin to set his mind on those things. Okay? And here's the great promise. The next verse is the great promise. Verse 6, to set the mind on the flesh is death. That's where that ends. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Okay? So to have a mindset that is continually being placed on the Spirit is life and peace. Now, what does this mean to set your mind on the things of the Spirit, set your mind on on the desires of the Spirit? I really believe that a crucial part of that is our embracing and taking in the Word of God. Okay, in, in, in Ephesians six seventeen, it tells us to put on the armor of God. Remember, put on the helmet of salvation and uh, the breastplate of righteousness and shod your feet with the gospel. Can okay, you remember the sword? Okay, it says put on the sword of the Spirit. And then it clarifies the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Isn't that interesting? So, so the Spirit of God yields the Word of God. All right, you remember, remember John 14 and 16 told us that the Spirit of God will reveal truth to you. Remember 1 Corinthians 2 says the Spirit of God gives us the mind of Christ to understand the spiritual realities of God, okay? And so this process of, of conviction and of revelation of the Spirit of God is closely tied to the Word of God. Okay? In fact, Ephesians 5, 18 through 21 says, if, if you want the Spirit's work in your life to be ramped up, you need to learn to get drunk on the Spirit. Okay? What does it mean to do that? Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 says, Do not get drunk with wine, that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay? Now, in order to show you, I, I, I believe one of the ways, okay, I believe being filled with the Spirit is just allowing the Spirit of God to control your life, being filled up with His truth, His desires, okay? Now, one of the ways that that practically works is in direct connection to the Word of God, direct connection to you allowing the Word of God to permeate your life, okay? Let me prove that to you, okay? So with one finger, your left one, put it on Ephesians 5, turn the page, a couple pages, Okay, to Colossians chapter 3, okay? Put the other finger there, okay? We're going to look at both of these, all right? So in Ephesians 5, after it says, don't get drunk with wine, that's debauchery, be filled with the Spirit, notice what the result of that is going to be. Verse 19, what's the result of being filled with the Spirit? Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, okay? So the result of being filled with the Spirit is that we speak to one another. That's what address means, right? We, we speak truth to one another, and we speak to one another. Not only do we speak to one another, but we sing. We celebrate God's truth together with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, okay? So we speak to one another. We celebrate with one another. Um, verse uh, 20, giving thanks always and for everything. We give thanks for everything. We have a thankful heart. Verse 21, we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. All right, now Colossians 3. Let's compare. Colossians 3 says in verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. All right, dwell in you. 
What does it mean for the word of Christ to dwell in you? It does not mean I just read my Bible, I closed it, I forget everything I read, I walk out. I read my Bible, check it off the list. That's not what it means. It does not mean I read my Bible, I understood it, I went out in the parking lot, I threw it up in the parking lot, I, don't, I regurgitated it, I'm not going to apply it, I'm not going to live it. No, to let the word of God dwell in you means you take in the word of God, the truths of it, the principles of it, and you, you seek to live that out. You, you meditate on it, you grab onto it and live out the word of God, okay? So, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now notice, notice the overflow of that. Verse 16, teaching and admonishing one another. Remember what Ephesians said? Addressing one another. All right, so we're speaking to one another. Truth in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Remember what Ephesians 5 said? Singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. With thankfulness in your hearts. That's Colossians 3. Remember what Ephesians 5 said? Giving thanks always for everything. Verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks. Verse 18, wives, submit to your husbands as it's fitting in the Lord. Remember what Ephesians said, verse 21, submit yourselves one to another, and then wives, submit to your husbands. It's the exact same overflow. And so what I'm telling you here is I, I really believe that letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly is a similar and same thing as... Being filled with Christ, being filled with the Spirit. And so, so how, how are we filled with the Spirit? We drink lots of the Word of God, okay? We, we, we take in the Word of God. So think about being filled with the Spirit. When I'm being filled with the Spirit, I'm, I'm, I'm allowing the Spirit of God con- to control my life, okay? I'm allowing the Spirit of God to, to, to come in and saturate my life, okay? And so to be, to be filled with the Spirit is the same principle or concept as, as letting the Word of Christ dwell in me and abide in me practically. All right, now where is this going to lead? This is going to lead to us making a decisive break with the pattern of sin in our life, okay? Another way to say that is it's going to lead us to make a decisive break with a lifestyle of sin. Do you understand the difference between isolated sins and a pattern of sin, okay? So isolated sins in a Christian's life is what we talked about before, okay? So we have this old fleshly nature, okay? The rattlesnake head is still alive. It's still kicking, Okay? It's doomed, but it's still kicking. And it's speaking to us. Okay? When, we, when, we, when we fall into that fleshly attitude and we believe those lies and, and we step out in sin, then the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes. We, we're convicted. He brings truth into our lives. We're convinced that His way is better. Okay? We get out of that sin. Okay? That's an isolated sin which a believer repents of and gets out of. That's different than living in a pattern of sin. That's what I did for 18 years. I lived in a pattern of sin, a pattern of unrepentant sin, a pattern of, not that I didn't ever sometimes feel sorry for the things I did, not that I didn't a bunch feel sorry that I got caught, but, but my life was a pattern of dishonoring Jesus, okay? And the Bible says that the Spirit of God will not allow a believer to live in a pattern of sin, but rather there'll be a decisive break with sin, okay? Now, how this works, I hope you're still in Romans 8, how this works is verse 13, Romans 8, 13. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Okay, see that? If you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. All right, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can actually put to death the deeds of the flesh. Okay, so how does that work? Again, fleshly desires come, 
We're faced with these fleshly desires, okay? Same time, we have the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We respond to that quickly. We embrace the truth of God's word. We embrace the desires of Jesus, the desires of the Spirit that are better. We see they're better, and so we turn and we deny sin. We put it to death. We act ruthlessly with it. We give it no place in our life, okay? We, whenever it rears its ugly head, we give it no place, and we, we immediately come at it with the truth of God's word. Now, let me ask you a question. After we kill sin, is it gone? Is it done? So, so let's work that out, okay? So let's say we're talking about anger. So let's say you have a pattern of anger in your life, okay? And then you get saved. You turn and you embrace Jesus Christ. You embrace uh, the Holy Spirit. He's inside of you now. And so now you're faced with these, these situations in life in which you normally would get very angry. But, but as you start to get angry, what happens? The Spirit of God convicts you, Right? So you have this fleshly desire for revenge, to get angry, to throw a fit, to have self-pity, okay? But you have the Spirit of God being convicting in your life, and you grab onto the truth of God. You know, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, love your enemies, be at peace with all men. You've got all these truths the Holy Spirit is bringing to your mind, and you say, yes, Spirit, yes, I'm walking with you. I'm letting you lead me. And you, you choose the path of the Spirit, and you put down your anger, and you turn away from it. Do you never struggle with anger again? Is it gone? Is it like, man, you know? I mean, the next time someone does something terrible to you, you're just like, hey, that didn't bother me at all, you know? I'm a, I don't struggle with it. I got victory. That's not the way it is, is it? Okay? It's not, you're, you still got to fight that battle again and again. But here's the deal. Every victory makes the battle progressively better and easier. Go back to my snake illustration, all right? So my brothers and I cut the head of the snake off. We make two snakes out of one, all right? What happens? It's done. It's done for, right? That's what Jesus did for us on the cross. He broke the power of sin in our life. However, that thing is still squirming. It's still dangerous. It can still bite me, okay? And so I got to not listen to it, all right? But when I, when I deny my flesh, you know what that's like? My brothers and I actually did this, okay? After we cut the head off of the snake and it'd be writhing around there, you know what we like to do? We turned the shovel over. What would we do? Wham! We'd hit that snake, all right? And you know what would happen? The snake was going like this before, and after one blow of the shovel, you know what it did? It's just slower, okay? It's slower. It's still moving, but it's slower. Then I'd hand the shovel to my brother. Wham! Slower yet, still moving. Sometimes flopped over, okay? And we would, we would hit that snake over and over until it stopped kicking. You know what? That's your Christian life. I'm sorry you got a farmer as your, your pastor. I don't know. You, if you got a business guy who grew up like in New York, you'd probably have a lot of different illustrations. I don't know. But, but I think that, that's your Christian life. Okay, so, so when, 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 you, when, you, when you defeat anger, okay? So you grab onto the Spirit, his power, it's better. Turn the other cheek, and, and, you, and you, you know what you do? You, you give a decisive blow to anger in your heart. Now, is it still there? Is it still kicking? Yeah, but it's moving slower now, isn't it? It's slower. And when you, when you do it again, it's slower yet. And when you do it again, it's slower yet. And you know, here's what I believe. I believe that over and over and over, as we target sin in our lives we gain progressive victory. You know what I'm saying? Progressive. Now, does that mean that we're out of the woods? Never. Don't think that. Okay? 
In fact, what we've got to relentlessly do is we've got to relentlessly target the desires of the flesh, okay? When, when, when Galatians says, I say walk by the Spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh, when it says if you're led by the Spirit, you're not in the law, okay, when it says those things, we've we got to continually target the works of the flesh. I call that yelling and pointing, okay? Now let me tell you what you're already good at. You're already good at yelling and pointing at your husband's sin or your wife's sin, okay? Or, or your neighbor's sin or your churchman. You're already really good at that. That's useless, okay? Useless in the Christian life. You know what's really good in the Christian life? Learning to yell and point at your own sin, okay? That's what, whenever you see the desires of the flesh raise their ugly head, you need to yell and point and you need to target them, target them, for the Spirit of God to come in and to give you new desires and to take away those fleshly desires. 1 Peter 2.11 is a warfare verse. It says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Okay? Your, your, your passions of your flesh, selfishness, pride, lust, greed, anger, those wage war against your soul. And so you got to yell and point when you see them. You, you, you got to target them. You gotta, that's, that's a desire of the flesh, and I, and I want the desire of the Spirit. Holy Spirit of God, you know, bring conviction on my life about that. Bring the better things of Jesus, spiritual things. Lift my eyes up to embrace what is better in the Holy Spirit that I may not be tempted by the flesh, that I may put it to death. You got to do that. You got to target it. You got to bring in the bombing of God's Spirit. I always like those army movies. I don't know how they do this. I'm just thankful for people that are good at math. But you know that the army will be set up and there'll be the enemy on the hillside and that radio guy, he'll call in and he'll say, you know, coordinates, you know, such and such, such and such, such and such. You know, and then the F-16s come in and they, they bomb that hillside. You know, I'm, I'm glad I was not one of those because I was not good at math. You know, the bomb would come right down on us. You know, I'd, I'd miss it. Somehow they know how to do that. You, you need to target your sin. Target it. Target it. God, I'm prideful. God, I, I got an anger problem. God, I, I've got lust in my heart. Don't ignore it. Don't justify it. Target it. Bring it to the Spirit of God. Come to the Word. Saturate your heart and your mind with the Word of God that He might pull you away from that fleshly desire and give you spiritual desire in your heart. You know what I pray would happen? I pray that what would happen is there would be such an increasing progressiveness toward holiness that the Spirit of God would get a hold of us in the same way that the flesh has a hold of us. You ever feel like the flesh has got a hold on you? You ever feel like your sinful nature, just it's got its claws in you? It's like you can't tear away from it? You, you, know, you know what's great is you walk with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can get a hold of you in the same way. Let me read you a verse. Acts chapter 20. Verse 22, Paul says this, And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem. And then he uses this phrase, constrained by the Spirit. Okay? Your Bible may say bound. Bound by the Spirit. Now, what does it mean to be constrained or bound by the Spirit? See, Paul's headed to Jerusalem, and it's a bad idea. Everybody knows it's a bad idea. You know what I mean by a bad idea? He's going to get killed there. You know, that's what everybody thinks. He's going to be something bad. They hate him there. Right, but you know what Paul says? Paul says, I got to go. I got to go, guys. I can't do anything but go because the Spirit of God wants me to go. And notice he says, I am constrained. I am bound. What does that mean? Does that mean that Paul literally had no choice in the matter? 
Does that mean that he tried to go to Asia? You know, he's like grabbing his foot and, you know, no, spirit keeps turning him around. I don't think that's what that means. I think what that means is Paul was so consumed with the desires of the spirit that to go against the spirit was painful. See, that's what we want to get. Let me give you an illustration. Let's just say that this is not true, but let's just say it was. Let's say that Haven had always dreamed of going to the circus. I mean, she just, the circus was it. She just dreamed, she'd read books about it. She saw it on TV. She always dreamed of going to the circus. And one day, we're in Walmart. We see a big poster, circus coming to Woodward, you know. And I'm like, honey, the circus is coming. And she is so excited, okay. And, and we begin to count down the days. We're going to go on this day. We put it on the calendar. We circle it, you know, 10 days. Daddy, how many days? Nine days. Daddy, how many days? Eight days. Every day we talk about what's at the circus and how much fun she's going to have. And she draws me circus pictures every day. You know, gives them to him. Daddy, can't wait to go to the circus with you. And then all of a sudden, the day before the circus, I get a call from my buddies. They're all going mountain biking in Paladura Canyon. And I would so much rather go mountain biking in Paladura Canyon than I would go to the circus. I'd rather do that. But am I going to do that? Here's what I would tell you. I would say that I am constrained. I am bound to go to the circus. Now, what does that mean? I don't have to. I mean, I can, I can go home and just tell her, hey, honey, it's not going to work out. Daddy's got some things he's going to do with his buddies. We'll go next time. You know what happens? I, that's a made-up illustration. It's so funny. It's happened in two out of the three services. Whenever I say it, I get a sinking feeling in my gut. It's not even true. <laughs> Isn't that funny? It's not even true, but when I say, hey, daddy will, I just, <laughs> why? Because, because I am bound by the desires of this little girl that I love. Right? For me to go to Paladura Canyon would be more painful than going to the circus. Okay, you know what we want the Spirit of God to do in our lives? We want to be so caught up in the desires of the Spirit, so in tune with what He wants, what He wants for you, what He wants to do with you, what He, what he wants to do in your life. We're so caught up with that that to go against him is actually painful. Some of you, some of you can you identify with that? Can you identify with, you know, to go against him is painful? I, I remember one of the first times I experienced that. I was in college, and, and I, was, I was getting my tire fixed at a repair station, and, and, and I came in, and this guy started talking to me, and I had a clear opportunity to share the gospel, and I didn't. I was scared, and, and, and I remember the Spirit of God just just convicting me and, and, you know, Jason, share, share. And I, I got out of there and, and I got in my car and you'd think I'd be free, right? No, I wasn't free. I drove like five blocks in misery, all right? It was miserable for me to go against the Spirit. I turned around, you know, came back, came back. Hey, you know, sir, he's like, what, did I do something wrong? I said, no, no, I, I just got to share something with you. I want to, you know, I tell you about Jesus, invite you to my church, you know. And, and, and I was bound by the Spirit. Man, that's what we want to get to. All right. I don't know if this is profitable or not. Um, it is for me. I don't know if it will be for you or not, but I'm going I'm to try it. By the way, this is not like law. This is not 
This is not a formula. Don't come take a picture of it. Don't write it down and think this is, no, 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 no. In fact, every time I do it, it's different, okay? Uh, But this helps me, okay? This helps me. Maybe maybe it'll help you. Maybe it won't. Some people said it did. Okay, so here's, here's what I want. Okay, so we start with a fleshly desire, okay? So you just fill in the blank there. Whatever you want to put. Maybe it's a pride thing. Maybe it's anger. Um, We've been talking about revenge, so let's just use revenge, okay? So maybe it's that. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's whatever, okay? So you have this fleshly desire, right? The old flesh, the old self is dead, but it's still squirming around until Jesus comes back, all right? So you have this fleshly desire in your life, and what happens immediately? You have the power of the Holy Spirit, okay, convicting you, right? That's the beginning of the work of the Holy Spirit. So you have this conviction of of that sin in your life, that displeasure of God, that it is not right, okay? And then where it should go from there is it should lead to truth, okay? So again, how does the Holy Spirit work? He works through the truth of God's Word. And so last week we saw in 1 Corinthians 2 how we have the mind of Christ, right? We have the mind of Jesus, in him revealing to us the truth of his word, revealing to us who he is, all right? In John 14, in John 16, we, we, we learn that the Spirit of God brings to our remembrance all that Christ has said, okay? And as we, as we begin to immerse our minds in the truth, we can be filled with the Spirit. Remember, that's the command of, of Ephesians, right? Be filled with the Spirit. And what does that mean? Well, it means to be under the control of the Spirit, under the influence of the Spirit, and that happens through His truth, right? And so we saturate our minds with truth. Colossians 3, we, allow, we let the Word of Christ dwell in us. We let it live inside of us, okay? So we immerse our hearts with truth. And as we immerse our hearts with truth, what happens? We target sin, okay? So we mark it. Okay, we target it for destruction. This can't live inside of me. This is wrong. This fleshly desire is wrong in me. And as we dwell on, on the Word of God, and as the Word of God saturates our life, you know what happened? We get spiritual desires. Isn't that awesome? Okay, we're not just living by the law. We're not just living by 25 rules. No, no, no. As we, are, as we embrace the truth of God, as we are filled with the Spirit, we, we get new desires. We don't want that anymore. Isn't that awesome? We don't want it anymore. He begins to change our heart, and we, and we mark that for, 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 and we, for, for destruction, and we kill. We kill the sin in our life, okay? And then that leads to the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, what's the fruit of the Spirit? That's when the Spirit has His way in our hearts. And what is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It just helps me to think of it, visualize it. This is the Spirit's work in my life. This is what it means to live the Christian life right here. How many times? Well, for Bonnie, she told me three. She said she's had three times in her life that... uh, that she's been convicted of sin and repented of it, okay? For me, three million. No, I'm just kidding about Bonnie. I don't know how many Bonnie's got. But, all right, what I'm saying is this should be, Bonnie's like, really? You know, uh, this should be constant, constant. This is happening in your life, okay? And through this process, the Holy Spirit's making you into somebody new. Somebody new. Isn't that awesome? Somebody new. New. Let's ask him to help us. Father in heaven, I I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit 
to work in our lives. Lord, to give us new desires. We want the desires of the Spirit and not the desires of the flesh. Lord, we want you to convict us. We want you to reveal truth to us. We want you to give us power. We want you to show us that your way is better, that what you have for us is better, that spiritual desires are better than fleshly desires. God, we want you to change our heart toward them. We want you to give us freedom. God, we want you to give us the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, we pray that love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control would be brought about in our lives. Holy Spirit, we want to walk with you this week. We want to walk with you right now. Show yourself in our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.